0: All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. His act being seven ages. At first, the infant, kneeling and puking in the nurse's arms. And then the whining schoolboy, with his satchel and shining morning face, creeping like snail unwillingly to school. And then the lover, sighing like furnace, with woeful ballad, made to his mistress's eyebrows. Then a soldier, full of strange oaths and bearded like the pod. Jealous in honor, sudden and quick in quarrel, seeking the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth.
1: Hey guys, I'm Timothy Maurice and thanks so much for popping into the Brain and Brand Show, the show where we explore the psychology and neuroscience of influence. Today I have a special two part episode where I interview two women who work and live in vastly different worlds, but both speak about the roles we play when we open the curtain and step onto this increasingly complex stage called life. One, an actress. The other, a leadership consultant. One lives in Los Angeles, California. The other, Johannesburg, South Africa. The actress, Angela Sitoli, helps us understand how to own the role we are playing And whether you realize it or not, learning to code switch and step into roles with more authenticity will be a vital skill going forward. And Raquel Brown, the leadership consultant, speaks to us from Hollywood about our role as a leader during these challenging times. Before we dive into these conversations, remember, there are a lot of things we cannot control right now, but there's so much we can We can choose to step into the spaces and opportunities we have right in front of us and be fully present, to be fully alive and alert to what the moment offers. This is my ultimate goal in both of these conversations. Angela will speak to us about choosing a role and stepping into it and how she goes about doing it. Raquel will share thoughts from her global leadership work about choosing to lead. I hope you leave this podcast inspired by two women from different worlds, helping you own your role on whichever stages you decide to apply your skills. Up first, Angela Settoli. I came across Angela's work in the movie Knuckle City, a riveting, gritty boxing film where she played the role of Minky. I was immediately struck by her on-screen command, and as I left the theater, I decided to look her up and found she's buzzing in her industry for all the right reasons. She stars in Litapo, or Ties That Bind, as Zano, a series about a young man in search of his birthright. Angela has Italian and Zulu heritage and is such a rising star. You're gonna love her, enjoy. Angela Satoli, welcome to the Brain and Brand show.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> Where did you fall in love with acting?
2: I fell in love with acting from a very young age. Uh, when I was in school, I used to impersonate, um, other people. So I'd come back from school and get in front of the mirror and impersonate my friends or my teachers. And it just became a thing that I enjoyed doing. You know, I just found, I just found it so much fun to do, you know? Um, and then in high school, I started, um, you know, participating in a lot of you know, drama activities. And I also had a mentor as well who I would go to classes um, every Saturday uh, behind the market theater. His name was Mr. Benjamin Francis. So he also took us to uh, film festivals around the world. Uh, And I went to Italy to represent uh, South Africa at the Cifoni Film Festival. So that was quite interesting. And I guess I just took it from there.
1: When you were a kid, was there a specific... Mm -hmm person like a teacher or someone that you were so good at impersonating or acting that role out that stands out in your mind
2: yeah there was actually my math teacher Uh, oh really and yeah and i used to i i used to impersonate him a lot especially during like break time um at school and all my friends were like wow my gosh you do like you do it so well and they thought that, you know what, Angela, acting is where you'll end up. You're definitely not going to be in corporate or anything.
1: When you receive your Oscar, you're going to have to thank this teacher.
2: Um, Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know, when you think about, you know, what draws you to this art form, I think you've sort of answered it. But I want to go a little bit deeper you know, the ability to express yourself, to come alive, you know, what gives you the greatest joy about playing a role? Like, like what gives you those goosebumps and butterflies?
2: Um, You know, I think what gives me those goosebumps and butterflies is being able to step into a different character Um, and the challenges that come with that character. You know, I think you need to have like, you need to have a lot of guts to be an actor because now you are you stepping into this character means that you have to you know dig out you know certain parts of yourself that you never thought you you had and you need to um basically strip yourself down you know and forget about how i would have to forget about angela cittoria so i found that so interesting i came across
1: you with your role as Minky in Knuckle City. And what impressed Mm -hmm. me was, you know, the the movie is very real. It's raw. It's, there's a, you know, and you, when you came on the screen, you know, sometimes people who are as attractive as you, actresses, sometimes struggle in raw movies. And what impressed Mm -hmm. me was you, you nailed it. you like, you literally, for me, you were, you found the pulse and the texture and the tone. Of that particular oh, wow, role. Thanks. Yeah. Was it difficult though? Cause on so many levels, and I guess maybe this is what makes you who you are is mm-hmm. that, you know, you're a lot like Trevor Noah. You probably can speak a whole lot of languages. You can fit in a lot of different places. Do you see that <laughs> as a skill set of yours?
2: Um, yeah, I do. And I, I think I definitely use that to my advantage, you know? Um, but like, for example, with Minky, um, uh, <clears throat> Getting into that character, yes, you know, I had to do my research. Um, and as you can see, you, Minky is completely different to all the characters on Knuckle City. Um, you know, from where she comes from, her upbringing. Yes. So she comes exactly. from, yeah. So she comes from a well-off, <clears throat> you know, background and her dating, um, Dudu is like, you know, he comes from and you know, a, a very tough upbringing. You know, so what basically for me with Minky, you know, I did my research in terms of, you know, a nurse, you know, background. And, um, also I had to study the, the area that we shot in Mtanzani, you know, because she also lives there and her reason, um, for her being in Mtanzani specifically because she works there. Right. So wow. yeah, I just, yeah, so I just found in that character cuz one thing i love about working with jamil as well is that he gives you the script um and gives you a very short brief about the character and he lets you create the character from i swear from her favorite color to what she dislikes uh in terms of what she eats or whatever you know like you have to come back with all of that information and i, I sorry i just found so much power in her stillness um because everyone is so I think upbeat and, you know, it's, it's everything is so fast and she's very laid back and she's calm. And also she, she understands, um, the, the, the living conditions in Mdanzani, you know, and also she is a shoulder, um, that Jutu can lean on.
1: You know, what's incredible is that part of the reason why I love film is that it has the ability to transport you into some other space and time. And, mm. you know, part of, like my work around neuroscience and looking at the brain, like the brain is wired through this concept called having an leaf, which is your imagination's belief. And mm. when in that moment in the film, when you were comforting him, you came out the bathroom and he had just gone through the most and you sort of got on top of him. And I felt that comfort and it mm. was so tangible and accessible to me. You know, whether you are choosing to play the role of your teacher as a kid or you're choosing Minky in Knuckle City and you're finding silence, et cetera, you're finding this sort of comfort, you know, mm-hmm. what specifically draws you to certain roles?
2: More than anything, um, I, wa- I want to make sure that there are people who can relate to that character. So that will also drive me into making sure that I execute it in the best way possible. Um, mentally, emotionally, you know, everything. Um, I want to fully, um, immerse myself like into this, into this character. You know, there was this, there was this one role that I played, um, Pearl on Diamond City. And when I went for the audition, um, you know, fine. I, I did the audition, left and the producer was like, can she really play this role? Like would, would she be able to hold this character? You know? And the the director said, like, give her a chance because already they're looking at my face and they're thinking, ah, oh, would she really be able to bring out? Would she be able to be comfortable with being ugly? Do, yeah. you, do you get what I mean? And I was just like, you know, I can do it. I know that I can do it because it's a challenge and it's something that I want. I want to do it, and that's how I got that role um on Diamond City as as as. Pro. So you found that's you found her one... ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically <laughs> because um the director literally like he stripped me down he stripped me down like he he wanted to see that and like that was that is also like one of my favorite characters that I've played so tell us about your okay.
1: process so you you also you know when you're having to go to a community and you have to learn you know what people eat or the character eats and how they behave etc you know tell us a bit about your process remember the goal of this conversation. Is to help people understand how to kind of get into a role. So what is, what is like the mm-hmm. first thing? You get a script, you get a script. What, 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 take us through the process.
2: So before I do anything or before I pick up the script, I always tell myself that I need to respect the script. Um, oh, sorry, respect the character and have no judgment whatsoever, um, of the character's decision and rather try to understand why this character is the way they are. Um, because you have to respect the character, so from there, I will read the script, understand the decisions, but also try and now ask questions as to why did this character make um you know a certain decision like what what was the motive because there's always a motive to there's always reason for 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 action, you know. So for example, I'll just, let me just use, um, Zano, um, on the as an example. So, uh, so she's a free spirit, um, and she's a, she, she doesn't conform to any like, you know, gender and you know, that, that kind of vibe. So she, she dates men, she dates women, she doesn't really care. And okay. I had to go and, yeah, I had to go and like do research about that. And also, um, you know, because she's a free spirit, she's a hippie, I would most likely find that in Bromfontein. So I okay. went to Brom. Yeah. So I went to Brom and, you know, I, I hanged around like, you know, those people that I feel like would most likely be similar to, to Zano and just see their way of living and the way they talk and the way they move, you know, and I'll take that um and bring that into, in, into the character. So, yeah. So I think it's also like mental preparation as well. um, Emotional preparation. So with every scene and every episode that I do, um, I always draw a graph as well to kind of show me where my character is emotionally and how, I go and so, so that helps me um, portray the emotion in that certain scene um, to the, like the best way possible. The
1: most extraordinary thing that you just said, and it just like, I got chills thinking about the idea that before you go in, you said that you really have to suspend judgment, that mm-hmm. you have to really kind of understand that there is a history. There's there's back, there's a backdrop to this person's, Behavior. I'm sure this is. I'm sure this has impacted your relationships in life because, you know, whether you're getting to know me or anyone new, you have to do the same sort of thing, right?
2: Yeah. No, definitely. And you know, it, it it really has helped me understand and accept people for who they are.
1: My final question is: I want you to help. I mean, you've already been very, very helpful with for the, for the average person who now we're coming out of this lockdown world, we're going into this new world where you're going to have to have several streams of income. You're going to have to play many roles in life. I really feel mm. that the individual is going to be stretched and have to really step up and find themselves, you know, just being multifaceted and playing many mm. roles. One of the, one of the things you say to suspend judgment Study the character, understand the background. Any other tips you'd like to offer anyone who realizes that I'm going to have to adopt a number of roles to get through this thing called life?
2: The most important thing before, um, having to adapt to different roles is like, it's, it's, it's very important to, to stay grounded, right? But like in the same breath, it's, it's, it's to always remember Like who you truly are, you know, you're, you know, when you in your truest form, like you, it's always important to remember that person. But obviously when now you step up, when you step into like different situations in, in the real world, um, you have to like adapt. So though like you have to step up and step out into different situations, um, you have to adapt like how you said, you know, on the 14th of Feb on Valentine's Day, you know, you play a different role as to how you play a different role when you are, you know, at work. You know, um, I just think like besides all of that, you just need to remember your true self. And I think that will help a lot. From what I'm hearing
1: is that you anchor yourself. And when you're anchored and you are solid in your own kind of foundation. Then you can start to explore with more certainty, with more clarity, other roles. Yeah, there's different
2: layers. Mm.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and I think for me, you know, what I hope people take away from this conversation is that from that, that all of us at some stage, you know, whether you are playing the role of husband or wife or father, these are different roles, how you treat your kids Mm. from your, you know, your partner, how you, You know, you show up as an entrepreneur and when you're looking for a loan and you're at the bank, that we play Mm -hmm. various roles without us realizing it and that some people own it. Some people own it like you and you make money from it. But at some level, Mm. we all have to acknowledge that this has this moment in history has forced Mm. us to to be more and to take on more roles. What would be a dream character as we wrap this conversation up?
2: um so when i was when 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 i was young i'm still young but when when i was a kid um i was so fascinated by sarafina and i told myself i'm telling you and i told myself no matter what i want to play sarafina before i die but yeah angela thank you so much
1: (laughs) i look forward to seeing you in your sarafina role one day and we really wish you the best and thank you for joining us (laughs)
2: thank you for having me
1: thanks so much Angela you can check her out on Instagram at Angela Sitoli. up next we cross the Atlantic and head out to America the west coast to Hollywood California to speak to a woman who I actually met in South Africa just over a decade ago when I first came she was visiting South Africa doing leadership work and has returned many times for contractual assignments we've kept in touch over the years Raquel is a seasoned independent, non-executive director who co-founded a global management consulting firm, but also has vast experience in the HR, education, not-for-profit, and retail spaces. Her leadership experience and exposure spans the world from America to Africa, Asia,
0: to South America, and more. Meet Raquel Brown.
1: How is lockdown in California?
0: Oh, Timothy, lockdown in California is a bit more nuanced. We're calling it safer at home. That's the campaign and flatten the curve. So we are not feeling quite locked down. We are still able to go out, but it's it's very different, very, very different. I I woke up this morning to the news that the U.S. could face food insecurity in weeks because of COVID-19.
1: And just for a little perspective, how far are you from Hollywood?
0: I'm about, as the crow would fly, maybe 40 kilometers. I can get there quickly. I can see the big Hollywood sign on a good day, on a clear day. Got it. And
1: tell us, how has your life changed? You, you know, how are things different? Like, let's... You know, we're speaking evening time, my time, morning time, your time. If COVID-19 wasn't happening, you guys weren't going through this space in California, what would be different? Would you be out or would you still be at home?
0: I would definitely be out. I have established a morning routine of going to my club. I either do some spinning or Pilates or yoga. And at the beginning of COVID-19, my club was open and it was a little odd because they were handing out hand sanitizers and cleaning everything. And then as the days passed, you noticed there was less and less people. And I then suddenly decided, maybe this is not a good idea. So I would definitely be out. I'd be at meetings. I just would definitely be out. And now I'm home. I do go out at least once a day for some kind of exercise, solo exercise. But uh, pretty much indoors, all my meetings are either telephonic or Zoom calls. Are
1: you finding that people are really embracing the technology? Or are you seeing any opportunities in uh, that technology is bringing that you didn't see before?
0: I definitely am seeing in the professional settings, my boards, uh, my work with other leaders, that technology has definitely been embraced. I mean, to have some of these organizations say they wanted to have meetings by video was unheard of. It was as though you were saying something that was taboo and people just jumped to it. The schools jumped to it. The businesses jumped to it. Organizations. I've been on a zoom call with as many as a hundred people. Can you imagine that? Wow. And they, none of them pretty much had ever zoomed before and it was effective. But, but what I do notice is if you have a offline Way of meeting that's effective. It was very easily to transfer to the digital platforms. If your meetings were chaotic, one on one, when you put technology in it, it was it was terrible. Um, so I didn't <laughs> notice that. So the, so the one that was a hundred, it was super effective because when you're together, it's a very structured meeting. Everyone has a role. You know how to interact. You know when to talk, when to be quiet. Um, but some of these other ones just chaotic.
1: Mm. That's funny. No, I'm just I saw the picture immediately when I mean you painted that picture so clearly. Are you enjoying anything about this lockdown?
0: I think the most thing I'm enjoying is all of the content that people are putting out and all of the ingenious of people. I mean, when you look at social media and you look at all of these new webinars that are popping up. Really good content and just, just so you just know the spirit of people and I, and I thinking of leadership all the time, think about how much potential organizations are losing because they don't unleash their people. When you see what people can do, you know, in some way in their free time, if they would take that energy and be allowed to take it to the workplace, the potential is amazing.
1: That's a very powerful point because you you know the idea that when when people are sort of in almost in this mode of like I need to feel significant I need to feel like I'm contributing to the world people can produce some really f- fascinating content I mean even I've had even followers of mine on Instagram joking with me they were like oh wow we didn't know you were funny you know
0: like <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> and and it's been interesting <laughs> because it's been interesting because You're right. We get into this kind of, you know, you know, we put our role, we put our hats on and we go, this is our role and we stick to it. And that defined role often can limit us down a specific kind of, you know, a stream of conversation, for example. So it's very interesting. Any ideas about how employers could literally kind of create platforms or create space to unleash people's creativity?
0: I really do think it's having more input from your employees, a uh, much more collaborative environments. You know, th- those that are working now as essential workers have a lot more freedom, right? Because they're working remotely. Um, they're just asked, keep the business going. And so in the context of the traditional way we work, work is so much more structured. So I think if employers and business owners t- take this freedom this release that they were forced into to to survive for many of them if they bring that back into the workplace when their business is resumed I think it would happen naturally but what happens is there's so much structure given by the authority structure and workers are smart so they say if that's what they want from me I know how to give that to them Um, but if they say hey just this is the end this is where we're trying to go How do you think we should get there? People can come up with ideas that leaders have never thought about.
1: You mentioned earlier that you go for morning walks, you have your routine. What are you doing on the inside of your home to keep your mind sharp, keep your emotions kind of flowing and on top of yourself?
0: I think I start my mornings every day with what I would call my daily briefing, and that is I turn on the media. And I listen to the leaders across the world on what's happening. And obviously, most of the news is coronavirus, but all of the implications around that. And I think that helps me sort of set my mind as to where we really are. In in California, we've been under this safer at home since about March 10th. So it's been a long ride. And uh so just having a sense of where we are, and I think that we, you know, we have a number of state and local leaders who have been very effective in telling us what's going on. So this idea that there's a meat shortage potentially coming could be our next toilet paper, right? Everybody's going to run out and buy meat. So just somehow having a sense of what's going on. And then, as I say, I still have meetings So I prepare for those. I'm doing some reading. I happen to be reading a book called The Human Network, How Social Position Determines Your Power, Beliefs and Behaviors. And it's by a Stanford University professor. And interestingly enough, in this book, as he talks about social networks and the premise of it is, how does one have influence in a a society and the power structure? And he actually uses disease to talk about how they spread.
2: I oh, didn't wow. know that
0: when I picked the book up, but it's very interesting. He goes all the way back to the bubonic plague, and uh, and talks about how how that actually spread. So thinking about that in this context has also been interesting. So I I've looked at it and been a part of a lot of digital content when it first started. Everybody had uh, you know you could dance with the Debbie Allen, who's you know known. People would say, "Wow, I could never believe I'd be taking a." private dance class with debbie allen so i took a lot of classes uh then begin to participate in podcasts like i'm doing with you um so a a range of things still talking um to leaders all over the world and just having a sense of where they are uh but realizing for me this is a leadership case study and so far the u.s is not doing well
1: speaking of not doing well i mean Amidst when you do your briefings in the morning and you see the, you know, the lack of clarity, the uncertainty, how do you protect your own mind in terms of just getting caught up in the in the muddiness and the politics of this whole thing?
0: For me, one of the things I like about the daily briefings is that I hear it, I take it in. And I use my own common sense and intellect to to make decisions for myself. And also for when I'm bringing my thought into these various meetings I'm a part of. And so many people have said, we don't want to have the briefings because some of the information we know is not true. Some of it is too scary. But for me, I feel like information is power. So for me, it allows me to make My decisions, for example, in our, in our, um, in our area, we had some cities decide they were going to open the beaches this week. Well, 40,000 people show up on a beach. That's a problem, right? That is a problem, but they're tired of being home. And so I look at that and say, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. And so here we are. That was Friday today. The city council of that city is going to vote that the beaches will now be closed because people were not, not able to use common sense to say maybe we shouldn't do that. So I, I think the more information I have, the better I'm able to make decisions with with the realization that this is serious. I mean, I had a personal experience. My son was overseas and not only was he exposed to the virus, but then he tells me, I think I probably have it, had it now that I know what it was. So I'm looking at him saying, you know, you're my son, but let's not get too close <laughs> um, because, uh-huh. it's, you know, it's serious. Um, so I think for me, it's the information and then the discernment to know that certain things you want to do, but you just should not do. You mentioned,
1: you know, you speak for leaders across the world and so forth. And I know you've got vast experience with leaders from different parts of the planet on many continents. What do you hear? What is the temperament? What is the mindset that leaders are sharing with you right now?
0: I think it's a range. I think it's from panic, fear some are absolutely optimistic, right? Because somehow they are in the business hotspot. They're in technology. They're in financial services. um, They're in just regular services, delivery services, if you will. So some of them are quite optimistic. I mean, Amazon had a, a hiring of a 100,000 workers. So
1: Got it. Some yeah. of us it
0: see it's the gold rush, right? But then there's others. It's absolute panic because much of their work cannot be done remotely. Uh, the way they're set up, like I, uh, work and talk with people in the casino business. The business shut down. Las Vegas literally had to shut down. And what they know is that the way that business is structured, social distancing is really not part of that plan and so while you think they, they'll be able to do stuff it's not going to in some way calm the apprehension of the consumer so there's not a lot of people wow. want to fly anywhere right now and let alone stay in a hotel where people are touching everything um so it, it has ranged um but i think also underlying even those that are panicked and fearful is an optimism because of the energy and the resilience that they're seeing from their employees, even if they did furlough them or lay them off. So their employees in some way are giving them hope.
1: And your principles around abundance, you know, just sort of for people who aren't familiar with the abundance versus the scarcity mentality, just give us a quick snapshot of how you see it.
0: The abundance mentality is really thinking about the possibilities that are out there. When you invest, you get a big return. The scarcity is I'm, I'm uncertain. So I'm going to invest as little as possible. It's the difference between fear based decision making and thinking and love. And the love part is that there's enough for everyone. And Got I it. think what we've seen is the scarcity mentality. Around the world.
1: As we wrap up this conversation, it's been very insightful uh, in terms of how you process and how you engage this space on a personal level and how you see some opportunities. Um, let's share, share with us three tips that if a leader or a young up and coming leader or anyone was sitting down with you on a zoom call, what would you say to them to navigate
0: this space? I think Timothy, and I appreciate you saying the leader who has the positional authority of leadership and an individual who's the leader of their life. And I, and I think they, it's the same continuum. I think I put the framework of the EQ, the emotional intelligence and also trauma. This is a time when we all have experienced a certain level of trauma and it's going to go on. For some time, some of it is not seen, some of it is not understood. And so really leading from our emotional intelligence there's going to be a, you know, a rush to get back, to drive, to get things going because we all have goals and needs and things we want to do. And that's really in a time of trauma can be destabilizing. So I, I think that that's an overall framework. And then I think it's opportunity. With every opportunity or with every crisis, there's an opportunity. And I often say a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. So if you come out of this period leading and thinking the same way you were when you started it, then I think you've missed a great opportunity. I think it's the idea of manage the avoidable to avoid the unmanageable. And that's a pretty... Heavy statement, but when you think about it, all the things that suddenly leaders and governments around the world are doing are things that, that they knew needed to be done. They were things that could be managed. You know, you think of South Africa getting water to people, it's food, hygiene. You realize, you know, the informal settlements, it's, it's impossible to social distance. And so it's really thinking, it's about savings. How could the largest corporations in the world say, we're going to go bankrupt if we close down almost immediately. How is that possible? And so you, what you realize is that the stock market and budgets and GDP are very poor indicators of economic sustainability. And so manage all of that. And as a leader in your own business, you know the things that in some way make you vulnerable, take care of it before something that you can't control happens, and then you're left in a very difficult position. And then I think thirdly, as leaders think about how will they shift their paradigm, perhaps it's going to be in the way they lead, it's going to be in the businesses that they're in, everything you can do, you shouldn't do. And so obviously people have gotten used to this remote working. And so there may be the inclination to say, not only will we do remote work, maybe we could cut down on headcount. Maybe we could use more technology. But when you really think about that, it will make a situation where many people are going to lose their jobs even worse. And so I just think, think of everything as a whole system and know that. You cannot become and be the person you were pre-lockdown, post-lockdown.
1: Raquel Brown, thank you for joining us on the Brain and Brand Show. And for those who want to read your thought leadership work, listen to more of your content, share the website that they can go to.
0: RadicalAbundantMindset.com. You'll read things on trauma. You'll read things on Abundant Mindset. And uh, overall, you can also hear some other interviews with Timothy and myself.
1: A huge thanks to both Raquel and Angela. Which roles will you be stepping into as you turn the page from this COVID-19 moment in history? Please share this episode with someone you care about and rate us on whichever platform you use. The algorithms will promote the show more if you do. Thanks so much to Moon K for the Shakespeare insert to the Cliff Center team for our ongoing partnership spanning six years. Until next time.
0: And then the justice in fair on belly with good cape and lined, with eyes severe and beard of formal cut, full of wise sores and modern instances. And so he plays his part.